0: Hello, you're watching Global Investor on Business Day TV. I'm Simon Brian Nickens from Bridge Stockbrokers joins me this evening to guide us through the latest news on global markets. And later in the show, we'll be joined by Alessandro Decoradro, who will be talking the Discovery Global Value Equity Feeder Fund. All that way coming your way shortly. First, though, a quick look at what's been making headlines. The annual G7 summit ended in disarray as trade disagreements took center stage. U.S. President Donald Trump initially sought separate trade deals with Canada and Mexico, but ended up lashing out at Canada and retracted his endorsement of the joint statement. Germany in the meantime sees no immediate solution to the trade dispute and has urged Europe to act decisively. Onto some company news. According to the Japanese Financial Daily, Apple will ship 80 million new iPhones this year. That's down 20% from the initial target set last year for its iPhone 10 and its iPhone 8 models. Apple shares, as well as those of its suppliers, fell in the news, but its market value is continuing its climb. It is now close to hitting $1 trillion. Starbucks shares fell as the departure of executive chairman Howard Schultz added to a run of worrying headlines for the world's biggest coffee chain. He has more on that report.
1: Starbucks shares plunged after its executive chairman Howard Schultz said he's leaving the company at the end of June. Schultz served as Starbucks CEO for almost three decades. In 2016, he shifted to the new role of executive chairman. Schultz has been an architect of the coffee chain's huge commercial success, and analysts see his resignation as a loss of a visionary. Schultz's departure also fueled speculation that he could make a U.S. presidential bid. Technomics' Joseph Pollack. Uh,
2: They're losing the heart and soul of the company. He's the one that's taken the company from a handful of units to, you know, over 25,000 units worldwide. And although he's stepped away from the day-to-day operations of the business, now that he's fully stepped away, they've really lost kind of their overall leader, icon of the business. So that's going to have some impact, especially from the employee's perspective.
1: Starbucks has been battling competition from bigger rival J.B. Holdings, as well as independent coffee shops. It's also trying to fend off damage to its image from the arrest of two black men at a Philadelphia store in April.
0: Nick Kunz from Bridge Stockbrokers joins me. No, Nick, thanks for joining us. We'll touch Howard Schultz in a moment. Let's go to G7, G6. It used to, of course, be G8 once upon a yeah. the time. They kicked Russia out, what, two years ago for the Crimea invasion. Yeah,
2: the naughty Russians.
0: Um, and now it's the naughty Americans. I, I just it's just this it's just a mess and perhaps the scariest part is the market shrugging it off we can get to that in a second but it is a mess when when what is effectively almost a third or half of your global economy uh, meets and and and
2: simply can't come to an agreement Simon, I mean where where do we actually start and dissect the soap operates as you said rightly you know 46 percent of world GDP is consisting of those six six uh, leaders around a desk or or six plus one as they're calling it Um, I don't know how to dissect it because, on the face of it, it can't be good. It cannot yeah. be good if if there is this uh, this factious infighting in between and and, and very open. I mean, they, the tweets flying back and forth. That's a from good point. Open. Yeah, tweets flying back and forth from Air Force One and and God knows what we're supposed to do with what Trump's saying now and off to Korea. So it just it just adds into this whole um, environment we find ourselves in in the global space now where. It's pulling in to and fro, and we don't know what to do. And you saw this today. It's almost like a bit of paralysis in the market because, on the one hand, it's not supposed to be good. The other hand, traders are on a commit, and we've got this monster week of stuff ahead of us. So um, it doesn't help anyone in the in the, in the trading space because you're literally sitting on your hands waiting for something to happen. Yeah, I mean... In, in, in I must want to say in the olden days,
0: this would be out and out bad, trade wars, you yeah. know, threats from Angela Merkel, Merkel saying Europe must look after itself and forget America, America saber-rabbling at everybody, China, Mexico, Canada, I mean poor Canada, <laughs> who did they ever do to anybody? Um, on, on the surface of it, that is really, really bad for global trade, the, the, the World Trade Organization is not strong enough or quick enough to resolve it, yeah. this should have major implications and, and Perhaps, probably, it still does, but but sort of, I
2: suppose, maybe, maybe down the line, maybe next year, maybe uh, all, they'll kiss and make up. You know, we're, we're trying to dissect this with with some clients today, and it's it's uh, you almost get the feeling the last, as you saw in the old days, yeah, the the last ten years, what what we've gone through, that it almost feels like the 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 the, 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 the modern traders and investors today have almost. Become oblivious to it. We've gone through, I mean, we can go back and we've gone through, uh, you know, Greek You know, Greek yep. debt imploding. We've gone through debt ceilings. I don't know how many times you're reaching a debt ceiling and a, we, we sail through it. We've gone through Crimea, as you pointed out, the Russia two years ago. We've, there's so much State that we've gone being through. being shut down. I mean. Exactly. I mean, it's just one thing of that. And yet the market is sitting 3% from an all time high. So, Certain one side, of if you're sort of an investor that, that is, we we're talking about this, that's fairly new to your desk and you, you, you're young on the trading floor, all you've had to do is buy this market and you've looked back and yes, I agree that that over a long time you should outperform being long stocks. But what this market? and We talk about the the oldies talk about the the wall of worry that this market has to climb. Well, I mean we've we've climbed a monster wall of worry here, and we're three percent of the all-time high. So I almost get the feeling that the people are just but indoctrinated now. They just. Yeah, it's another another trade war, it's something else to go on. But at some point, you've got to think that it's it's going to turn around. And and, and, and this,
0: this, this laissez-faire attitude we're having, and I take your point, and, and those young traders are not so young, they're in their 30s. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I'm you away old. from there, but I remember being in my 30s. <laughs> um, it's been those low interest rates that have been feeding it. And now we've got Fed later this week, uh, increase
2: coming. Very, very much so, and you, and you touched on a good point, because... Because the last couple of years, I would say the last five years, maybe a a lot of this trading has had to do with, guess the central bank. What does the central bank do? Negative interest rates, chase that yield, chase that yield. But now, for the first time in in the last decade, we're heading into a point where possibly interest rates are going to rise. Yeah.
0: In the US, uh, ECB later this week, they're still in quantitative easing space. For now. For for now. Uh, Maybe start pulling, if not this one, probably this year almost certainly. They're going to start putting back get from get the impression they are.
2: And the rhetoric that's been coming out in the last week or two from a couple of ECB members have been saying exactly that, that maybe it's time to start sort of to s- at least sort of ratcheting back. And look, uh, Draghi is so overly dovish all the time yeah. and he's, he's so careful about how he manages market expectations. He's a genius at it. Um, but you do feel like now all the central banks now are starting to exit.
0: Uh, Scottishdiggus stock News mentioned in the intro uh, s- uh, Starbucks uh, Howard Schultz he's the executive chairman he was CEO from 86 to 2000 when he really turned it from a, a small little mm. Seattle m- sort of coffee shop nothing into a global player came back in 2008 uh, last year became executive chair we were talking before we came on air he is he's one of he's, he's got to be one of the great CEOs out there
2: yeah I mean you talk about there's a handful of these rock star sort of CEOs in America that, have, that have, I guess have really made a difference and and return thousands of percent back to shareholders. <coughs> Excuse me, Bob Arg, as we said off air being one of them, yeah from Disney uh, absolutely um, and Howard Schultz also uh, uh, stepping into this man 's shoes is not going to be easy, but and he 's leaving an unbelievable legacy
0: but he has got uh, a qualified person coming into it, but there 's always a, a bit of a concern when when, when this sort of thing mm. happens when you're, 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 you you're know one of the best leaders to, to in the generation quits there 's worries as a Starbucks shareholder, price been under a bit of pressure. is that opportunity has it got enough
2: institutional memory slash momentum behind it perhaps? I think so. You know, the timings, that, uh, look, he's been there three decades, you know, yeah. so it's not as if he hasn't, you know, served his time. Um, Starbucks has been knocked with a few little things. They had, they had a couple of that incident with alleged racism as well mm-hmm. with, with uh, in America. Um, the stock is, is at one stage down about 20% from its highs. It's bounced back a little bit now, but as you pointed out, it, it's been a little bit under pressure. But It's still trading on a a very low P.E. relative to the rest of the marketplace in America, which is expensive, decent dividend yield, cash flow. Uh, flush. Um, I think it's more a trading, op- more a buying opportunity than it, than it is a negative.
0: Yeah, and they've done amazing strides yeah. in China. Uh, federal Judge is going to decide on whether AT and can buy Time Warner. I actually forgotten just how long He said almost two years it's been going on. An eighty-five billion dollar deal. It has been forever in a day, um, and it looks like it's probably going to happen. Finally, tomorrow We're is the day. Supposedly, whether it's good or bad, it is just going to roll through. And we've seen a couple of these major mega mergers, particularly in this sort of space yeah. and, and particularly when the telcos we've seen it with Verizon buying AOL uh, and, and Yahoo for goodness yeah. sake trying to find relevance in, in the new space.
2: And and, and, I'm, and dissecting these two particular companies it, it's difficult to see who benefits more than the other you know you you, you kind of get the feeling that that maybe AT&T shareholders are the ones that are finally going to get more upside and be glad the is over. But yes, it's, be, it's been a, a talk about soap is on the show. I mean, this has been a, another one, two years. <laughs> but tomorrow, apparently, is, is the day the judge rules.
0: Uh, that and Trump meeting with uh, Kim Jong-un, Supreme Leader or whatever he is yeah. of Korea. Quickly before we go, E.M. Rout continuing all over the place at uh, uh, what? Well, Frankly, right here yeah. at home, we're seeing it in Turkey. We're seeing it in Argentina. We're seeing it everywhere. Uh, if we're looking offshore, if, if you're in America and you're looking offshore, EMs are probably a new universe for us. Looking offshore, surely we've probably got enough EM exposure just because we are an emerging market.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, that that's exactly us. I mean, we, we being in a effectively an emerging market as we are. I mean, we are exposed. To it, but, you know, it's it. it it does. South Africa has always been that that funny emerging market country where we we're not quite we, you know we're not quite uh, the bottom of the third no, world or frontier economy. Yet. No, we're, we're a Venezuela, and and yet we we you know we kind of have one foot in the first and one foot in the third. We we're in that middle space. Um, you do feel, though, the way the RAND's been trading, it's been very volatile, but, but compared to the, look, the RAND's taken a smack, there's no arguing about it the last couple of months, but in general the RAND has been fairly stable, I think, which, which does have a feeling that there's still buyers in, into South Africa for now.
0: Yeah, okay, so they're still coming, we're going for a short break, when we come back we'll look at the Discovery Global Value Equity Feeder Fund, don't go away. Welcome back. You're watching Global Investor. Still with me in studio, No from Bridge Stockbrokers, joining us on the line from London to discuss the Discovery Global Value Equity Feeder Fund, Alessandre de Corrado. Alessandre, thanks for joining us. I'm butchering your surname. Please help me there before I go any further.
1: Hi Simon no no problem it's uh, you're not the only one it's uh, it'sco uh, uh,
0: okay okay I, I will take that. Uh, just looking at your fund a couple of things jump out at me. Um, I want to delve into some of the details. The first thing that strikes me very heavy in financials, very light in technology. when we look at a lot of the global funds because of the FANGs, they beg in in, 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 in in the tech and the facebooks and and the, and the like are you just are you not excited by those buy your Microsoft and uh, you're holding in Microsoft? or is it more just that financials to you, just better value?
1: Um, well, obviously, obviously, the, the underweight in financials in, um, in IT and technology has been a has been a big detractor for us. Uh, you know, it would have been better to be to have more, um, but we just um, struggle sometimes a little bit with. Um, we understand the exciting story and we understand um, the positive characteristics of the company. We struggle sometimes to relate very high prices um, to this story and to price appropriately how well, how much a story is worth. Uh, With Microsoft, what happened is that in 2011, 2012, it was trading at a valuation as if it was going to go out of business, and that's when we established the position. And So that gave us a little bit of our tech exposure, Um, but generally, that is the only way that we will get tech exposure. We can buy a a tech company on a multiple that doesn't make it look uh, like tech.
0: Yeah, and Microsoft was for probably over a decade, price went nowhere. It, it really did seem to be yesterday's tech. But under, under the new CEO, I mean, they just bought GitHub this, last week. That They really are moving into the space, but they're moving into it with, with, with vigor. They've got their, their, their cloud and Azure. They really are moving into, into, into new tech, but not in the sense of Amazon or Facebook, still in the sense of services to corporates and individuals.
1: Yes, that, that makes it uh, both exciting and for us a little bit easier to value because yeah. you've got a, a solid base of, of profits, um, historical profits on which to value the company and on top of that you've got an exciting story in terms of the, uh, the cloud growth and they really have been very, very good in planning for, for cloud. And uh, what happened is that under the, the previous management, uh, they, they made all of these investments but uh, they weren't pushing them very hard because the, the franchise of Windows had to be defended and what uh, and a new CEO, Sacha Nadella, did was that he, he really said, OK, well, that's the old, uh, let's, let's cut the old strategy and go with the future.
0: You, you mentioned uh, a couple of years ago, how, how long have you been in Microsoft? Were you, were you a more recent convert? Because Satya Nadella came in, I think, what, five, maybe six years back.
1: Yeah, so we bought a couple of months before that. So it was um, okay. it was 2012 when we established the position. 2012, 2013. And it was really very, very cheap, and that's really an idea of what we try to do in this fund: is we we buy things when they don't look good and hope that the market is going to recognise that they're actually better than than they thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair point, uh, Nick. We were talking to during the break there. I mean, the, the one light on tech, which at the moment is not the best place to be. But you look at some of those eye watering valuations and. and Light on Tech might,
2: might be the call for 2018, 2019. I uh, know, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure Alessandro will, will share our thought that sometimes in this game, timing is everything. And uh, they, might, they might have certainly missed a the, the missed the little bit of the run-up on the way up in the fangs, but, but something tells me they might be catching there. Potential falling out of favour of things. I think it's a very nasty position portfolio.
0: Yeah, Sandra, a, a bunch of financial sitting in in, in the space, uh, 31%, probably putting you you overweight. We, we see a lot of folks here who are typically at best sort of in the in the in the teens, uh, in you know 15% maybe. For their, for their financials. You're obviously saying there's certainly some, some value there in, in stocks such as Bank of America, your, your biggest holding. You've got Citi, you've got Barclays, you've got American Express as well, uh, all sitting in your top 10.
1: Yeah, so first of all, you mentioned American Express and financial is a very broad sector and American Express is, um is, you know, it's a financial but it's got nothing to do with a, with a standard, with a normal bank. Uh, but we do have a lot of banks, as you mentioned, uh, Citi, Bank of America, uhm, so We, we just think that these are companies that have gone through so much pain and so much restructuring, um, that they're trading at multiples that imply effectively no growth. And now that Maybe quantitative easing is coming to an end, or at least we're entering the world of quantitative tapering. Um, their earnings could, could, could start going up. Their, their, their um, returns on equity could improve. And most of these companies are paying 10 or 11 times their earnings for. Um, and retail banks are good franchises. They're good businesses. It's not just investment banks that, 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 that you're buying here. You're buying good, solid retail franchises.
2: i just uh, interested in your uh, reasons for holding dear. Um, I was actually, we were looking at them at putting in the offshore portfolio a couple of weeks ago. I saw a decent set of numbers came out about two weeks ago, decent dividend, good cash flow. Um, one of those ones is sort of under the radar a bit. What, what were your thoughts on putting it in?
1: Uh, well, Deere, we've, it's been one of our largest holdings for a couple of years. So we bought it in, um, in early 2016, January 2016. And what happened there is that the company got thrown out. So it, it, was in a, it was at a time when the agricultural cycle was, was down. And at the same time, it was producing some construction equipment. And when you had the whole oil and mining um, downturn, uh, Deer got thrown out, along with all the other industrials, because it was ma- making some of these machines. Uh, but we thought the price was just, so you were buying at effectively um, what we thought were about 12 times uh, trough earnings, 12 times low cycle earnings, a company that is the leader in agriculture, uh, the number two in construction equipment, uh, and generally returns returns on equity of, of over 20% a year um, in terms of the, the, the return on invested capital it can generate. Um, and we thought there were extraordinarily cheap valuations to buy a stock like that. So I think we paid something like 60 65 for it and uh, we, huh? haven't, we haven't sold much it's still it's still a good uh, it's still a big holding for us yeah
0: yeah look turning to, to geography uh united kingdom quarter of the fund there a lot into the, in, in, into the uk is that a, a regional play or was it a bottom-up and you're just finding a lot of stocks in the uk looking attractive
1: yeah so we do very little top-down. We really do almost no top-down. So everything we do in the fund is bottom-up. And it just turns out that the, um, the domestic, UK domestic exposed stocks are some of the cheapest uh, developed market stocks we can find around. And there are a lot of them. And that's because of the combination of Brexit uh, and political uncertainty uh, in the UK. Um, but we think that that offers a lot of opportunities. So we're really up against our, our overeat limit there in the UK.
0: You say domestic, they would they've probably more FTSE two fifty maybe than FTSE one hundred.
1: Yeah, that's right, because VT100 has a lot of um, interna- companies that have international revenues. Uh,
0: you mentioned Brexit, another vote coming up. Uh, it's going as slowly and as painfully, I suppose, as, as anyone kind of expected. And it, are, are you taking a, a view on it as, as, as asset allocators, or are you you're literally, you bottom up, you're saying there's, there's, volu- there's value here, and, and the UK is not going to fall off the global map. It's still going to be around in a year or five or ten, and these businesses generating profits.
1: Yeah, so the, the second thing you said is what we do. So we, we really try and look at things through the cycle, and what we make sure, we try and make sure is that the company can withstand the recession. So we don't want, to, we don't want it to be the case that we buy something, and then Brexit is worse than, worse than we expect, and the company goes bust. But as long as it can, it can withstand the, the big recession, and we think the valuation makes sense for the long term, we'll buy it.
0: You, you mentioned recession. Do you think there's a, a, a good likelihood of recession in the UK?
1: A likely a recession. I mean it's possible. Um I have to tell you, we're, we're terrible at macro forecasting, so I really have no idea, but but, um, but uh, it's, it's possible. It's possible. Who knows? <laughs>
0: Nick, looking at the UK, Brexit vote coming up, I mean, how much is, is, is Brexit sort of a worry in the mind? Or is it just, frankly, to add to one of the many other worries in the mind? We have the G7,
2: and, and so it goes on. The usual wall of worry. Sam, um, so I'm, I'm not actually sure. Look, we've got, we got some big, I think a big vote on Friday regarding Brexit. That's going to set the tone, certainly for the the next couple of months, um, <clears throat> I do think it's a concern because you've got to understand that. I'm sure you do that. I mean, most most of these the, the 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 top the the FTSE 100's been you know it's been on an absolute charge of the back of their the weakening. The weakening sterling is doing a, a big favour, but I think we're getting to the point now where it's starting to. Now he gets the nitty gritty in the small print, and that could make or break what happens. Um, but Connie's been very apt at uh, yeah. you know, basically talking it down and saying, you know, rates are going to go up. You know, the economy's not firing on all cylinders just yet. So he's been doing a bit of a drachy over there. But um, let's see. I say Friday's the vote. so. Uh, Alessandro, coming back to you, Europe ex UK,
0: just over 3%. A lot of folks have been saying, the U.S. has run hard. We've got the Dow at, at all-time highs. Uh, the FTSE 100 certainly concerns, as you said, uh, you in the mostly 250. But I see a lot of folks going a lot more into Europe. You're taking a lot more cautious space there in, in terms of, of, of the size and the fund. Uh, I'm assuming you're just not finding those quality companies that are, that are offering attractive valuations, notwithstanding we might be entering a, a sort of a tapering of their QE.
1: Yeah, Europe is an interesting one because the, the, the obviously good companies are, are very expensive. Um, and then you've got a, a number of of, I would say, lower quality businesses that are potentially interesting, but not that interesting. And then you've got the banks, which are undercapitalized, so it's difficult to know there how much uh, capital they're going to need, to, to, to need in the future. Um, but we're just not finding that combination of of decent business, solid uh, returns on capital, and the cheap valuation. So the, the UK uh, seems to offer more of those. And it's interesting you say everybody is, is jumping into Europe, and you're right, but uh, Bank of America, Mary Lynch, recently put out a note, um, uh, their, their fund manager survey, showing that UK equities uh, are the biggest underweight among global fund managers out there. So it's really a very, very disliked that's a class.
0: And, and that kind of calls to your, your strategy. You, you mentioned in the, in the disclosure documents, you say the fund is a, is a contrarian value. And certainly, you know, you seem to be where, 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 other, people, where other people aren't. And I suppose it's not on purpose. It's just you're looking through a different set of lens. And it does make for a, a very different fund to a lot of the ones that come across our desk here because of that, that contrarian view that you're taking.
1: Yeah, we, we try not to do it mindlessly. So we don't just go out and buy stuff just because it's going down. <laughs> but, but, we, um, but the instinct is contrarian. So we, we think that in order to outperform in the long term, you have to do something that's a bit different. And if you're managing a long-only fund, you have to look at what other people don't want to buy. So that's absolutely right, is the, 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 the essence of our philosophy.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you, absolutely. I mean, get away from the herd, otherwise, you're just part of the herd. Head off in the, in the other direction. Uh, a exactly. quick last question. You, you're sitting on, on, on a fair chunk of cash, eight and a bit. Is, is that strategic, or, or is that just a, a, a circumstance at the particular end of April, which was for this uh, 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 disclosure document?
1: Uh, yeah, it's still about the same, uh, the same level, but it's not, it's not strategic. It's basically just a function of the opportunities we find. So uh, if we don't think that we, uh, we've got enough opportunities around, we just sit on a bit more cash, and we'll deploy it when we find the new stock ideas. We're constantly looking for new ideas, so hopefully we'll invest it uh, soon, but you never know.
0: You, you show us the top 10. How many stocks are there in, in, in the fund?
1: It's a pretty concentrated fund. It's between 35 and 40 stocks. At the moment, it's 41. Uh, but it really shouldn't go higher than this. We, we try and really make it a best ideas uh, fund.
0: Nick, I mean, intuitively, I, I like the contrarian ideas. You get away from the herd, be a little bit concentrated. It, it means that you miss some of the fangs, and, and, mm. you know, but that, that's short-termism. Um, otherwise, you're just another one of those you know, 50 no, funds.
2: I, I, I love it. I actually, it's funny. I didn't even see the intro. I actually wrote down contrarian portfolio on the top of my thing, to the words out of my mouth. But... You know, being a, being, coming from a trading background myself, you know, 95% of, of traders typically lose money if they're trading over the long term and 5% make. So ultimately, you want to be that 5%. You have to be a bit contrarian. So I actually found this portfolio very refreshing, actually. Uh, Alessandro, last question to you quickly.
0: Uh, cash, I mean, obviously, you're, you're across different uh, geographies. Um, I'm assuming you're agnostic as to the currencies that you're in. That's just going to be a factor of where that stock happens to be
1: listed. Uh, in terms of, sorry, you're talking in terms of cash or of um, in, uh, in terms of geographies and, and, and the of like. I mean,
0: you're not taking views on currencies?
1: No, no, we're not taking views on currencies and we, we don't hedge currencies generally. It could happen, but we generally don't hedge currencies. So it's just literally where we find the business. And that will be where the geographical exposure is.
0: I like it, different, interesting, always fun. Thanks for the show this week. My thanks to our guests, Nick Kunz from Bridge Stockbrokers. Alessandro, who's a portfolio manager of the Discovery Global Value Equity Feeder Fund. My thanks to you for watching. I'll catch you same time next week. Goodbye.